It's probably been the most inclusive and comprehensive search for a coach in our history. Ernie, you've done a fantastic job. And on Saturday, just this past Saturday, our board voted unanimously to approve Ernie's recommendation of Greg. So, a new technical development committee, a new technical leader, and an administrative leader for soccer operations at Soccer House, our first ever GM for the men's national team, and now a new head coach. In other words, the past 10 months at U.S. Soccer have been a time of real change. With respect to our men's team, the pieces are now falling into place. The foundation for success is being set, and we're looking and focused to the future. We could not be more excited to welcome Greg. As a former professional player, both domestic and international, Greg knows what players are looking for in a coach. As a veteran of our men's national team and the first U.S. World Cup veteran to become head coach of our team, he knows what it means to wear the crest. And as a coach who is both detailed and innovative, with experience internationally and in the MLS, he knows how to build winning teams. Greg isn't just the right choice, Greg is the best choice. He will push our men's team forward and with an identity and approach that will be uniquely and fiercely American. So Greg, on behalf of all of us at US Soccer, welcome. We're thrilled that you and Rosalind and the children are embarking on this new journey with us today. We know you're gonna lead our men's program, a national team program, to great heights. With that, I'll turn it over to Ernie, followed by Greg, and then we'll take your questions. Good afternoon. Um, before I start with some, uh, some uh, talk about the, the process that we had in, in getting to where we are today, I'd like to thank a couple of people. Uh, one, Jay Sugarman, the owner of the Philadelphia Union, for, for uh, giving me the chance to, uh, to follow a, a certain dream that I had in, in becoming the, uh, the general manager of the, of the U.S. men's national team. I'd like to thank Anthony Precor, who has been uh, uh, very supportive and outstanding with, together with some other owners within, uh, within MLS in allowing me to interview uh, a certain amount of people. Uh, Nico Romain and Ryan Mooney, I have to mention them as the colleagues within U.S. soccer that I spoke to most about um, in setting uh, the player profile or the, the coach profile plus the, the style of play. Dave Sarigan and the technical staff, because it hasn't been easy for, uh, uh, you know, for Dave taking over in, the, in this period. Uh, uh, being in front of the group for a, for a whole year and making sure he held his ground and, and making sure that those players that we all believe in for the future um, are getting their debuts and it makes uh, uh, made my job a, a lot easier uh, going forward. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra, Angela Hucles from uh, our co-chair in the Technical Development Committee um, uh, had a lot of conversations with Carlos going down and making sure that he was uh, constantly aware of what was going on. Uh, and last but not least, Carlos Codero, Dan Flynn, and the rest of the board of directors for their trust in uh, the process that we followed and, and ultimately uh, accepting the recommendation that I had. Going back to that process, uh, starting on the 1st of August, and, and with some of you in the room, uh, we spoke about this uh, uh, briefly in a, a while back, but um, the way I went about my business was to make sure that we set that profile of, of what the head coach would, uh, would look like. The style of play was important because when I sat with candidates and was able to sit down with, with Greg, it explains kind of like where we're going and what we're trying to do. Uh, that profile was then set by Ryan Mooney, uh, Nico Romain, and myself and, and making sure that we had required and desired qualifications for the head coach. And those were all the, da the data points that I used to uh, score 
if you may say so, uh, the coaches. With that, I'd like to say there's a lot of uh, coaches that I spoke to um, uh, because I'd say within MLS, uh, there were also some international candidates, uh, two candidates from Holland that I did not necessarily need to speak with because you see them on the playground every single day. You see what they're doing with their team. You see how they're trying to implement their style of play. Um, so I didn't feel it was necessary in the first part, in the first tranche to, uh, to, to get a score on that. I did connect with a lot of domestic and uh, and international uh, coaches uh, through this to make sure that I did understand how they thought about soccer, where they were, what their style was, and how they wanted to move forward, um, and why they would want a job, a high-profile job, as being the men's national team head coach. Um, we started, as, as Carlos had said, with the initial candidate list of, of 33, uh, three, 33 candidates, domestic and international. Um, with those required and desired qualifications that we had, uh, Ryan, Nico, and myself scored these. Uh, and we came down, actually narrowed that down to 11 candidates. Uh, after that, with the 11 candidates, we only looked at the required qualifications that, that um, uh, were needed for this, uh, for this job. And that actually left us down with a, a top five candidates, but I would like to say that the, the top three candidates that we had all scored uh, very high in that. So I felt very comfortable going forward and having uh, the big conversations about the technical aspect of, of the U.S. men's national team and what it is to be head coach of the men's national team and try to find out even more about those, uh, about those candidates. Um, I have to say one of those candidates was not available anymore because he hadn't already made a different choice in his, in his life, was very honored with, uh, with uh, the fact that he was considered for the job but uh, was not available at that moment. That left me with two candidates that I felt very comfortable with in speaking to, um, uh, which had happened, and after that, Dan and Carlos uh, met with both candidates as well. Um, after that short period of time, I made sure that I had my recommendation for, uh, first of all, Dan and Carlos to see uh, if they supported uh, that, and Carlos Bocanegra was, was in that uh, discussion as well. Um, and that set us to move forward with the negotiations with the top candidate that we had. Um, we had, I want to say, last week Wednesday with the Technical Development Committee, there was a unanimous, unanimous decision in making sure that they supported the fact that I would take this recommendation to the board. And as Carlos mentioned, this last Saturday, the recommendation was accepted by our board of directors at U.S. Soccer. And, and therefore, I am very proud and very happy, uh, and it is my pleasure to introduce the new head coach of our men's national team, Greg Burrell. Thank you. Um, I first want to start by thanking um, Carlos Cudero, Ernie Stewart, and the Board of Directors for giving me this opportunity. Um, you know, when you start out playing soccer and then eventually becoming a coach, uh, you never dream that one day you're going to get the opportunity to lead your country. So I'm extremely proud and honored to have this position. I want to thank Commissioner Don Garber for um, being instrumental in the growth of this league. When I think about even five years ago where this league was and where it is now, when I think about the players that are coming into the league, the players that are now leaving the league, this has become a real league. When I think about the, the platform that coaches have in this league to, tr to, to work their trade and to be challenged with the amount of parity there in this league, it's a very challenging job to be a coach in Major League Soccer. And you see it's no coincidence that Coaches are getting other opportunities outside of the league because of the work they're doing in Major League Soccer. So thank you, Commissioner. 
I want to thank Anthony Precourt for giving me this opportunity, the opportunity five years ago to lead Columbus Crew SC and uh, to see my vision out. He was very supportive in everything we were doing, and he really gave me the platform, the opportunity to be successful there. I want to thank my family, most importantly, for dealing with, not only dealing with, but being <laughs> supporting the life of a coach. It's not an easy life, but they're there behind me every step of the way. When I think about this opportunity, I'm humbled. I think about the support that I've gotten from virtually everyone around Major League Soccer, everyone around the United States. And what I see is that we're in this together. We all want the same thing. We want to make soccer better. And I know that this is going to be a collaborative effort together with Major League Soccer, together with all the stakeholders in the United States. I'm honored to be in this position thinking about following the footsteps of coaches that I'd admire growing up. I have cl close relationships with a lot of them, and to think that I'll now be filling their position is, is humbling. I have a lot of respect for Dave Sarakin and what he did, leading this country through uncertainty and taking the reins when U.S. soccer needed him to step up the most. You know, a short story about Dave is that when I was 15 years old, he was actually my first regional team coach. And it was the first time I've ever made the regional team. And I remember distinctively going into the gym and sitting down with him and him giving me a review of, of who I was as a player. And I instantly had confidence after that meeting that I can go on and, and be a good player. And he had such an approach with players, such a, a fatherly-like demeanor, that he really gave you confidence. So I have a lot of respect for Dave, and I want to thank Dave for, for what he's done, not only for me as a player, but what he's done for this country. Looking forward, I would say that I'm ready for this challenge. The youth national team, the full national team, my experiences as a player, my experiences in, my, in the coaching ranks have prepared me for this moment. I'm excited for the opportunity to turn this group of men into a team. I'll be focusing on the players and the team, how we can compete first and foremost. I'm focused on building a style of play and I'm focused on team cohesiveness. I know it's gonna be a challenge, but I know there's quality in this group, and I know that the closer we can become together, the closer we can come to reach our goals. I'm committed to working harder every day and build a team that the fans will be proud of. There's nothing more than our country wants right now than to be proud of our U.S. national team, and I'm committed to making it happen. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Ernie, and thank you, Carlos. Obviously, Dan Flynn. Our CEO and Secretary General is also available for questions. So we'll start right away. Grant Wall. Um, Greg, from a uh, perspective of having your A squad together, uh, because you're getting it at this time, you aren't going to probably have them all until the March FIFA window. So that's not a lot of time before the Gold Cup next summer. Uh, what, how will you approach that particular challenge, which is something that national team coaches have, is just time with their players that club coaches don't really have to deal with as much. No, that's exactly right. That's certainly going to be a challenge. Um, what I'd say is that, you know, my first priority is immediately reaching out to players and, and getting to know them. You know, um, this week I'll be calling a number of domestic-based players. Um, I'll head to the MLS Cup final, and then from there I'll head over to Europe to meet players face-to-face. -face. Um, what I'm focused on is how can we do more? How can we do more outside of camp? 
what communication could we give to the players that can prepare them for the learning that's going to take place in camp? Um, and then setting the stage in January, setting the stage for team expectations, team culture, and style of play. We can get a head start by working with the, this group in an in um, intensive period in January and, and then integrate the European players into the squad in March. And, um, you know, we know there's not much time when you're in camp, but I think that when you have quality players that are in environments that they're learning all the time, when you can bring them in, hopefully they, they, can, um, they can get up to speed pretty quickly. Hey, Greg Rumblin from AP. As you prepared for the interviews and looked at the team for the job, what is your analysis of what went wrong with the group over the previous four-year cycle, and what do you see at uh, throughout the team at goal, defense, midfield, forward as the strengths and weaknesses that you inherit? So I think, Ron, the first thing is I don't think it's appropriate for me to talk about um, the failure of the past. I'd like to talk about moving forward. So when I'm looking at this team specifically in the last year, it was very hard to evaluate the big picture because I don't think it was the, the complete team. But what I did see was a group of young, talented players. I did see a group with potential. I did see a group that needs development, needs direction. And I'm excited to work with this group. I think when, when I look at the big picture, when I look at the, the, the whole squad, there's, there's quality in this squad. And I think as we integrate um, some experienced players back into the fold and we get the, um, this broad band of levels amongst the team, I think it can be a successful team. Doug, Doug McIntyre, Yahoo Sports. Uh, I think this is for both Ernie and Greg. You both spoke about style of play and how important that is. Uh, Greg's style, Greg, your style in Columbus was possession-based for the most part. How realistic is it to play that style against the top teams in the world and even in uh, CONCACAF qualifying where the field conditions might not be conducive to playing that way? How much are you going to have to adjust at the international level? Uh, that's a great point. That's something that, that uh, you know, I, I have considered. Um, you know, I think when, when I took over in Columbus five years ago, um, if I would tell you the, the look of Columbus was going to be a possession-based team, you'd probably be asking similar questions. And, um, you know, my job, the job of the staff is to work as hard as we can and give the players belief. We know they're quality players. And I think with direction and belief, um, we can achieve our goals. And then it's just about being smart, right? So if you're playing on a field in, you know, I think we, we played in a field in Barbados, Lexi, where the grass is five inches tall and there's mud in half the spots. You have to be realistic about where you're going to play and when you're going to play. But first and foremost, I think we want a team that's going to compete. We want a team that's going to be prepared. And we want a team that's going to understand our style of play and be able to execute it. Steve. Greg. Uh, what what do you tell to casual fans out there who might not know you or, or your style or, or your teams uh, about the timeline of, of turning this uh, program and, and elevating it over the next couple of years? What, what would be your message to, to people out there? You know, I, I think um, as with any team building, it's a process. Now, I don't want to um, use that as an excuse and say, you know, eight years from now we're going to be good. Um, you know, the, the process has to accelerate. And um, when you have quality players, when you have players that have the ability to learn, 
you can accelerate that process a little bit. But what I'd say is that um, we want to see progress. You know, each and every camp, you should expect to see development amongst the team. You know, that's, that's my job. That's the job of the staff. This is a, a question for Carlos and Dan. Um, it does, I think, have to be gotten out of the way that Greg's brother works within the Federation fairly high up. And I was wondering if you might be able to address here uh, what exactly it is that Jay does. There are some people who know and some people who don't know what Jay does, what sorts of specific things he does, and whether you might, you know, I know, Dan, there's been some conversations about who the next CEO might be, whether you might be willing to rule Jay out of that. What was the last part of that? Whether he would, Jay would not be the next CEO. Well, I'll, I'll start and, and Carlos can uh, chime in. So first of all, uh, Jay is the Chief Commercial and Strategy Officer for U.S. Soccer. I think more importantly, he's a valued employee, long-term employee at U.S. Soccer, who's made a tremendous contribution and will continue to make a contribution. Um, Jay reports directly to me, just like Ernie Stewart reports directly to me. So um, I hope and uh, have every uh, bit of confidence that Jay will con be a, continue to be a great contributor to U.S. soccer. As it relates to any transition uh, about me or my, in my position, um, I'll let Carlos comment on it, but uh, I think it's safe to say that that plan's not completely in place. And uh, the last part of your question, I'll, I'll defer to uh, the president of uh, our organization who is actually uh, in charge of our board. So as I said in my opening comments, I think the process, the selection of the coach was incredibly thorough, very honest, very fair, and Jay had nothing to do with that. Jay was involved earlier on in the year back in February, just after I got elected. He was part of a small group of people. He was then involved in some of our technical activities. He was involved with the selection of Ernie as general manager. That process, however, was run by Carlos Bocanegra. As, as chair or co-chair of the Technical Development Committee, he took responsibility for the GM search. Jay was one of five or six people uh, in, the, in that process. Um, the, the search for the coach, however, was managed, run exclusively by Ernie, and Jay had nothing to do with that. So to be very clear, you know, we, we, we anticipated way back in, in August when the search began that with Greg being a likely contender, we wanted to keep things very separate, and we were incredibly careful about that, and Jay had nothing to do with that process. Um, so I feel very, very, I want to be very clear that we think the process has been incredibly honest and fair, and, and, and put yourself in, in our shoes, you know, Greg comes out on top, uh, why would we discriminate, dis discriminate against Greg because his brother happened to work at the Federation? There's an independent process that, that concluded with that result. Going forward, you mentioned um, the, the, uh, uh, the succession plan. We always have a succession plan. At the end of every board meeting, we sit down and talk about succession planning. Uh, Dan will retire at some point, and it, it might be next year, and when that happens, we will have a selection committee, a board committee that will, be, that will spend time uh, identifying you know, potential candidates. We'll have an outside search firm working with us. Um, we will have a very open, transparent process that will come back to the board. We'll have internal candidates. Jay could be one of them. We'll have external candidates and we'll make an independent assessment and in who we feel is the best person, man or woman, you know, to take Dan's place. Dan's been with us um, 18, 19 yeah, years now. So it's, you know, it's, it's, these are big shoes to fill. But we have a very busy agenda over the next eight years. I don't need to remind you of that. It's not just the World Cup. We have a lot of other things going on. 
So this will be a very important search, but that, that hasn't begun and that will begin when it begins and when it does happen, it will have a committee and it will be very open and very transparent. Hi, uh, Andy Doss from the Times. Question for Ernie, I guess, and Carlos too. Do you have any regrets given that the events of this year, the election, the World Cup bid, Ernie's hiring delayed the search uh, or made it so long that Ernie has now said he, they missed out on a candidate that you would have liked to have at least spoken to. Um, is, that a, is that a problem that it took so long that it may have cost you some, some opportunities to talk to people? No, so I'll comment first on that. No, that's part of life, that's part of soccer, and that's the way things go. Uh, I think, uh, as Carlos had already mentioned, that uh, the, the search process for the GM was th thorough. Um, it led to the, uh, to the moment that I couldn't start until the 1st of August, and, and after that, there becomes a whole process in, in trying to find and, and making sure you're making the right choices. And in doing that, it's not only what is about me, it's about what's good for this, uh, for this country. So even in setting the profile, I made sure and, and also made sure that it's not random what I did, um, but uh, those that, that all had over 100 caps and have captained our uh, national team more than five times, where I made sure I reached out to them and to see what they thought of, uh, of soccer in the United States and what were the characteristical traits that, that a co head coach would need. Uh, having said that, that takes time. And then unfortunately in, in soccer and in sports in general, um, people make other choices. Um, and that's just the way it is, and you gotta move forward from that. So um, I think we, we went through this in a, in a thorough way. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an open and clean way we did that, and things happen. That's just the way it is. Andy, all, all I'd add to that is, uh, you know, I, I, I'd say that we have no regrets at all. We got our best guy. We're very excited to welcome Greg. Um, we really couldn't have moved any faster. The reality is it's been a very, busy year for, 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 for us. Uh, people forget that in a matter of between February and June, July, we were basically consumed by the World Cup bid, which for us was absolutely the, the very top priority. Notwithstanding that, you know, we were out searching for a general manager. Um, as it turns out, Ernie could only start on the 1st of August. So we, we haven't sacrificed our candidates because of any deadline. We never had a deadline. But we're delighted to have Greg. I think you'll look back in some months, if not a couple of years, and we'll be very, very happy with the results. Um, you know, we move on from here. Greg, Dylan Butler, MLSsoccer.com. Uh, this past year uh, under Dave, uh, obviously there's a lot of young players who have emerged, uh, kind of this young nucleus. Is that what you see going forward? Uh, and have you been impressed by them? And kind of a part two of that, uh, Tyler Adams, uh, you know, long rumored move to, to Leipzig uh, is now official. Your thoughts on, on him and kind of uh, his future within this program? So I think um, to answer your second question first, I think that every player has their own um, pathway where they can develop and get the most out of their career and develop the most as a soccer player. And it's different for every player. Um, in some cases, uh, players benefit from the traditional sense where they go, go through academy, college, MLS, and they get called into the national team. Other players don't go to college, they go right to the MLS, and they find that they develop quicker where there's other opportunities. So I think it's just evaluating um, you know, each, each opportunity that players have to decide what's best for them in their long-term development plan. What I would say is that um, in watching the team over the last year, it, it was, um, there were some interesting things. You could see that um, guys were 
were getting opportunities to play at an international level for the first time, and you can see that it was a new experience for them. You can see that they were getting to terms with the level, what, what the games were about. And I think, um, you know, to be fair to that group, when you look at the, the schedule over the last year, it was a very difficult schedule, playing against very difficult opponents. Um, so I, I think overall, these last six games, um, were instrumental for this group because it gave them a taste. It gave them the experience of what international soccer is like. And now it's about moving forward and thinking about, okay, where do we want to end up in, um, in 2022? Where do we want to be as a team? And then how do we get there? Well, what's the right mix of players? Um, who do we bring back in that hasn't been included? Which of the young guys have really impressed that we have to keep them going? So there's a lot of questions to, to answer in, in that regard. But what, what I would say is that it's important for players to be, um, to be performing. It's important for them to grow um, through games. And, and that's going to be an important aspect of how we're picking teams, of which guys are contributing. Greg, uh, Paul Tenorio from The Athletic. Um, talking to guys that have played in your system, you know, a lot of them emphasize it takes time, the things that you like to work on to get the team to play the way you want them to play. Um, so this is kind of a two-part question. One, what are some of those, you mentioned kind of trying to get a jump start on some of that. What are some ideas you have that maybe can give you a head start with some of the players who won't be involved in January, but you'll get in March? And secondly, knowing that it might take time and knowing that this is a young group, but also understanding there's some anxiety amongst the fan base to get results right away. How do you balance kind of understanding that there might be a process, there might be young players, um, but that you have a tournament in the summer that people are going to want to see results right away? Right, so I think that's um, that's the teaching part that we that we need to be um, progressive with. You know, talking about supplemental materials, talking about video libraries, talking about sending guys the webinars with players. You know, as much as we can to push the envelope on this, we need to try to do. Um, the second thing is, you know, what you said about the system. You know, I, I don't necessarily necessarily agree with. I think that. Um, you know, my job as a coach and our job as a staff is make it as simple as possible. Our game is based on very simple principles. It's, they're not complicated principles. The training sessions are, um, are very straightforward. I think um, it, it's, it's easy for the players to pick up on it. I think to execute it at a really high level um, does take some time. But it's based on simple principles. And I hope that, that, that the group will appreciate that. And I hope that you'll be, you'll be able to see that when we play. Ivan Sklar said for goal. Uh, Greg, at a, at, at a certain point, uh, I want to say in the past year, it sounded like you didn't think maybe you were ready for this kind of role. I mean, I, I saw some quotes from you made it seem like maybe, because you're kind of relatively young as a head coach in terms of years. Was there any kind of? Soul searching for, on your part in this process, thinking whether or not this is the right time, and ultimately what convinced you, okay, I'm ready for this now. Yeah, so I think you're referencing um, comments, you know, last year um, when the team <coughs> failed to qualify, and I was asked about it. And and one thing is that um, you know you have you take your experiences with you. So since then we had, I think we had four playoffs, five playoff series, you know, another um, you know 34 games of the regular season. Open Cup games, another preseason, and I think as you start evaluating that, um, you know, five years in Columbus, I think, you, at least for me, I started to say, okay, this is something I'm ready for. Um, you know, fresh off the not qualifying is a tough blow for our entire country. 
And um, but as time passed, and as um, you know, we're we're still working with the team, and we're dealing with adversity in Columbus, and and you know, pulling these guys together, it was something that, um, in my mind, I thought that um, you know, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this challenge. Hi, Greg. Roberto Bromowitz. I have a question for you as far as the dual nationals are concerned and what your approach is going to be with them. Uh, we've already seen how in the past uh, the U.S. has lost Jonathan Gonzalez. Uh, Efrain Alvarez seems to be leaning towards Mexico. We have a situation with Alex Mendez who seems to be towards the United States right now. But what is your approach as far as they're concerned and uh, other, other players? Um, yeah, so I think this is something that, you know, Ernie can probably start on, and then if I need to chime in on it again, I will. I think it's really simple when we look at that. Um, if, you know, we have uh, this structure in the United States where we have all these players coming through, we think it's important we throw, well, uh, you know, when we look at our uh, youth national teams, we have a lot of multinationals there, and we need to make sure that we're preparing for the big stage. And in the end, um, those that are qualified to play for the United States uh, are there, and we need, need, need to put our best, best effort forward to make sure that they, that they choose for the United States. Um, and that you know, entails a lot of conversations, having conversations, making sure that we have a really good pathway for these kids uh, uh, going forward. But in the end, there's also a choice from a person himself in, in that, uh, and you always have to respect that. But putting our uh, uh, best foot forward and making sure that we have, um, one, the knowledge that we see, we, we identify these talents at, a, at an early age, have conversations with them is one, but two, also create that pathway and making sure that they're in an environment, a learning environment going forward and, and preparing them for the, for the big stage. We'll go to Matt in the back left. Uh, just following up on that, um, in terms of reaching out to those communities, how much, of, how much emphasis did you put on that uh, during the search, the ability for the head coach to reach out? I mean, I'm curious, Greg, do you speak Spanish? I speak pretty good Spanish. Um, you know, we have a number of Hispanic players on, on Columbus crew, and um, I'm able to coach them and communicate with them, uh, with them in Spanish, yes. So I, I reached out to uh, several, uh, once again, we looked at the required and desired uh, qualifications. There were no uh, limits in that when it came to the head coaches that there were. Um, so uh, those that, uh, that were uh, Spanish speaking were also uh, part, of that, uh, part of that equation of those 33 candidates that we had on the list. So um, in the end, the choice became through those uh, required and desired qualifications that we had, the choice fell somewhere else. But I can assure you that there were uh, Spanish-speaking candidates within that, uh, within that group that I spoke to. Matt, Matt if maybe I can make a broader point. Um, look, we're, we're an incredibly diverse nation, right? We've got vibrant uh, immigrant communities across the United States. As many of you know, I'm an immigrant. Um, and I know how soccer can bring people together. So soccer does reflect the diversity of this country. It, it already does. We can always do better. I was in Bradenton a few weeks ago to watch our U-20s qualify, and they won the, uh, the CONCACAF championship. I think one or, barring one or two players, they were, all, they were all Hispanic. So to me, that not all Hispanic, but they were all, they were all from immigrant communities. We had Nigerian-American, but mostly Hispanic. And so for me, that is the future. And we need to do better, clearly, but we are doing, we're doing pretty good as it is. And I don't think we get enough credit. Even for the senior team today, you look at the, look at the composition of our senior team today. It's pretty diverse, and th they do reflect the diversity of our country. Franco, Franco Panizo, uh, SBI. 
Uh, for Ernie and for Greg, uh, you guys talked about success and, and goals. What is the ultimate goal uh, with, with this program over the next four years? What, what defines uh, success? Is it getting back to the World Cup? Is it getting to the World Cup and having a good, good performance there? Uh, and a side one for Greg is, uh, how, how, when, when were you first contacted about potentially taking over this, 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 uh, this program and just uh, the, the position itself? So I'll start first with success, and I think that's uh, that's really clear. One, um, I think, and, and 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 Greg already elaborated on that a little bit, is is making sure that uh, the way we play that it's identified through our fans, so that that what they see on the field is what they want to see. Uh, two is really simple: is qualifying for uh, 22, and and three is doing well in 22. Those are the goals that we have. Oh, um, we we're, were talking about last. I think it was somewhere, um, somewhere end of August, beginning of September. I think that was. Other questions? To to Ernie and perhaps also to Greg, where do the twenty twenty Olympics factor into your planning, and uh, whether that be medium term, maybe not necessarily long term, since it's somewhat soon. And also because many of the players who could be involved in that have been with the senior team in the last 12 months. So what do you see in that? So I think we spoke about this in, in the past, and, and Greg and I have touched on it um, in our conversations that we had. You know, we're trying to create pathways because we have a, a longer-term uh, plan for, for all these players. So from an individual development standpoint, uh, it'll be important that they – like Greg said, we need to simplify it, make sure that they know exactly what to do. Um, but at the same time, it's executing that at a really high level. And the opportunities that you have going forward, uh, being international games, being Olympic, uh, qualifying, being even in the Olympics, are, are moments that you can test that. Um, so we will use that uh, going forward. It's not an easy process, though, um, I'd have to say, because uh, obviously when we have the international uh, International fixture dates. You can uh, you can have players released, but it's not as easy as it seems when it comes to our Olympic uh, qualifying and and the Olympics themselves. So, we'll have to uh, make sure that we have really good relationships with the clubs where these players uh, come from, um, good relationship with these players that they understand uh, what the bigger goal is for for everybody going forward, and making sure that they can execute at, at the highest level in uh, in the plans that we have going forward with them. Stewart. Stu Holden, Fox Sports. Uh, Greg, I haven't heard you mention about your staff or who you're going to hire. I know Josh Wolf was being linked with the crew job. Pat Onstad's the interim GM at, at Columbus. Is that a conversation with you and Ernie, or is that you making a recommendation on who you, who you want to bring with you? And if you have, uh, who is that? I think it's a collaborative process, or I know it's a collaborative process. You know, me and Ernie have been talking about it extensively. And the goal is to, um, to first of all, hire good people and then create an environment that the players want to be in. Um, we really want to, again, accelerate the learning and um, get really qualified people to fill these roles. And I, I think we'll, you'll know more in the next couple of weeks about exactly this, the, the um, makeup of the staff. Alexi Lawless, Fox Sports. Uh, Greg, you've talked about identity and for the people that are here and the people that are watching uh, that you want to give belief and hope back. Can you be specific as to how you want this team to play so that when we are watching this team, uh, we can look for it. It'd be as detailed as, as you possibly can, not just we want to win and we want to keep the ball. 
Yeah, so the idea is that we're um, an attacking-based team that wants to create goal-scoring opportunities by disorganizing the opponent. Um, you know, there, it will do that in a number of different ways. Um, what I'd say is, you know, con um, consistently over my time in Columbus, we've done it through build-up, right, where we start the ball with the goalie in the back, the teams try to press us, we play through them to create goal-scoring opportunities. We're making the field big. Um, another way to do that is to, uh, to use pressure. Whether we start in a mid-block or moving to high pressure to force turnovers, win the ball, and, and immediately create goal-scoring opportunities. But the idea is uh, it's a fluid style that um, is the players are um, intent on breaking lines, play, playing through the opponent, and creating goal-scoring opportunities. Uh, I think you know, at times we can do a better job to, to, I think, change the tempo of the game instead of playing at such a high rhythm all the time. I think mixing that rhythm is going to be very important, especially at the international level, especially considering some of the climates you're playing in. But you know, we want to see ball circulation, breaking lines, creating goal scoring opportunities. That should be the DNA of this team. Other questions? OK. Thank everyone for coming. Just a couple things. Photographers will come up and take photos. Those that have one-on-ones will be doing that down on the 14th floor. And lastly, fan event in this space, 530. If you haven't RSVP'd, let us know. You're all welcome. Thank you for joining us.